podcast. I'm Kelly LaFleur, your host, and this is part two of Carrie Dayton's interview. I hope you enjoy the last 15 to 20 minutes of her interview. We talk a lot about uh, family situations and questions that we have encountered from couples. So if you are a planning couple, I hope that you guys learn some good tips and tricks here and get the advice that you're looking for. All right. Another question that has come up often um, is just talking about bridal party. And who do you ask and who do you invite to be those people that you stand up? And I think it can cause a lot of stress for couples. So how would you suggest that they handle that? Absolutely, it can. I think, gosh, you guys, like about in October of last year, um, Bride Magazine or the Knot.com or something said that the average wedding party member spends something like $1,200 to be in a wedding. Um, And then there was some story in the media about some bridesmaid who spent over like $30,000 on all the weddings that she had to be in over the course of the year. So she had to move back in with her parents. So I think that that, you know, I've been on the receiving end of this question a lot. And I think that it's oftentimes it's not only for the the couple, uh, bride or groom or grooms, you know, they're saying, you know, who do I choose to be in my wedding party? And for example, you know, I might have 15 best friends, you know, both from, you know, elementary school, high school, and then the college friends. Oh, and then there's my work friends. You know, who, how do I limit my wedding party? Because I haven't really talked to my friends in elementary school, but I still like, if I would be there for like, if they needed me, I would be there for them. So is that someone in my wedding party? And I think that it's really, it's a difficult situation because, I, and, and it's even more difficult now because with social media, we do not lose track of people, right? So I can know someone from high school, like back a long time ago, you'd, you'd graduate, leave high school, and like your lives would take you down different paths and you just wouldn't reach out. Well, with social media and Facebook and all this stuff, emails, it's so easy to know where all your friends are and to still stay in connection with them. So it gets kind of hard to choose. And I think that, you know, it's really important when you take a look at the size of your wedding party, because by the way, from a couple perspective, you have to pay for gifts for them. A lot of times, you know, my couples are wanting to, you know, at least pay for shoes or something for for the wedding party. And so that can get expensive. So if you've got nine maids and you've decided to pay, you know, buy shoes at $50 a pop, which is a cheap pair of shoes, let's face it. But I mean, it's $450 right there, boom. Um, So that can get expensive. So I think it's really important to take a look at the overall wedding day and the people that are going to be the most intimate to you. And I feel like, and the closest to you, and if you haven't spoken to them in a year to two years, they should probably be taken off the list. You may love them. You should certainly invite them to the wedding, but I don't know that that qualifies as wedding party material. And then I think that, you know, if you, you know, haven't seen them at least three times in the past year, then that shouldn't be wedding party material either. And I think that when you finally do decide, you narrow that down and you reach out and ask them, um, I think it's really important to give them an out. And give, and by say giving them out, I mean don't just say like, yeah, you don't have to be, but truly say to them, this is going to be an expensive event, you know, or this 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 can be, you know, you're going to have to pay for your dress or your outfit. You're going to need to travel because you live in Atlanta, and I'm getting married in Omaha. And I think that you have to say, I value you as a person. Our relationship has always been stellar. If this is not the right time for you it's okay to tell me no, and please know that our friendship will not be affected. And I think as a person, as a person getting married, you need to be okay with the answer no. And you have to truly say and believe in your heart that it doesn't mean that they hate you. There might be family circumstances that are prohibiting them from being able to write a $1,200 check if that's indeed what it costs. And we need to be respectful of that. Again, this kind kindness, consideration, and respect, right? We need to, but we have to give them that out. As someone who could potentially have to say no, 
it's really important that you say it diplomatically and you let them know, I do, as, as the receiving end of, if I'm being asked to be a bridesmaid in Kelly's wedding, Kelly, I'm so sorry. I just, at this time, cannot afford to do it. I will be with you in love, happiness, spirit, prayer, everything. I will lift you up on the day of your wedding. I can't afford to do this right now, but I am so thankful and so honored that you asked me to do this. And if there's any other way that I can contribute, please let me know. And that's a beautiful way to decline. And you shouldn't feel bad about declining. My personal situation on my wedding day, I had I had three very small. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like really, really super close friends and they're tight and I do anything for them, but I'm not, I don't have extended 18 friends laying around. And um, I had a friend and still talked to her to this day, to be honest with you, but she said yes. And we were young, we're all broke. And she didn't get her bridesmaid's dress and she kept waiting and she kept waiting. And you know, there's a deadline that came and I'm thinking, what is going on? And I realized, you know, we were all fresh out of college. She probably didn't have a lot of money. And so I called her up because I had a feeling she couldn't afford it. And I, goodness knows I couldn't afford to pay for it for her as well. So I called her up and I said, you know what? I know I asked you to be a bridesmaid. I know you haven't gone in to get your measurements yet. I'm not sure what's going on, but right now I've got three bridesmaids already committed. So if I need a personal assistant, I don't have one. Is that something that you might feel more comfortable doing? So I gave her an out and she took it super fast. She's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, that would be great. And then it came out that she didn't have the money. I had given, I didn't need a personal assistant by the way, but I, I care about her. I wanted her around. Um, and so we always want to be conscientious of that. And I think she certainly could have come to me and as a bride I should have if she had come in secure I can't afford this this is getting too expensive I would have had an option I could have figured out how to pay it pay pay for it or I could have said I understand but could you just come like if you could just come that'd be wonderful um, and I'm still friends with her to this day I love her you know I follow with her kids she helps me with my business occasionally so I didn't take offense to that it's totally fine but we have to be really open-minded about that and I think again some of the best weddings I've ever done, the wedding parties are a little bit smaller, you know, like five maids and five groomsmen are great. If you have to go to nine, it's totally fine too. Um, just keep in mind that the day of the wedding, the more wedding party you have, the more chaos is around you, which is good. It's a good, happy chaos. If you're like, if you live in a house with five kids, you love chaos, right? Or, you know, you grew up in a, but I was an only child. So simple, intimate things like three people is a good thing for me, but you know, yeah. In mind. Yeah. Okay. Talking about bridal party, this question, I just popped into my head. How do you suggest couples, um, communicate with their bridal party? Because I feel like a lot of things are, there are a lot of pieces moving even up through the wedding day mm -hmm. and communication with the bridal party and where people are supposed to arrive and everything like that. Is there, what are some tips? Uh, that's a huge question. Thank you for asking it because in my years as a planner, we have actually started putting together a wedding party newsletter that we send out and I have the magic formula for you right here. If we send it out then the wedding party newsletter details, what's the where's the rehearsal what time is it where's the rehearsal dinner what should you wear to the rehearsal can you bring a guest to the rehearsal even though their rehearsal invitation would say this but this it still verifies it on the wedding day here's what time you show up here's how much your hair and makeup's going to cost here's you know we're going to give you breakfast can you bring someone to the head table are they allowed on the transportation we try to give them every single thing that they could possibly ever need to know because there is believe it or not like in today's day and age wedding parties want to know this information but the secret is they don't want to know it beyond four weeks in advance oh, if we totally. send it six weeks in advance it gets lost and they're not paying attention to it so roughly that three to four week window sending them that information because they technically have the day blocked for you 
and you know they may ask you some like rehearsal time like what time is rehearsal because that might you know affect airfares and things like that and that can be communicated but it's really we recommend and that's one of the things we do for our clients we put it all in one location and we send it out like on a piece of paper or a pdf that they can check on their cell phones so that way they know they can keep that but it gets lost if we send it before four weeks so but i i think i strongly and you guys that has really helped our wedding parties like feel like they're in the know and um, it's just, it makes the day so much smoother because they don't, they don't refer back to it all day, but now they've got a general idea. They know, okay, I gotta be there at 7.30 in the morning. That's all they care about. And they know that transportation is being provided because they read that. So they don't worry about the rest of it, but I need to be there at 7.30. And I think there's also, you know, part of etiquette is making sure that your guests and your friends and family are comfortable. And when you tell them what to wear, then I, then I know I'm not out of place if I show up in a pair of jeans, for example, because it says semi-formal attire. I know, you know, I didn't make the awkward mistake of having my significant other come up to the head table when they weren't going to be sitting there. So, like, you're giving them the knowledge to make them feel comfortable and confident on your wedding day, which is then going to make the experience so much smoother. I completely agree. Hugely important. Well, and I think also, personally, if I'm in a bridal party and an invitation shows up at my house, a paper invitation... I'm not necessarily going to pay attention to that because I know I'm in the wedding party and I'm, you know, I don't have to be there. You know May 8th is taken. So so you don't, but you're not going to read. I don't know what time the ceremony starts. I just know May 8th is for them. Yes. Right. And then about three weeks out, that's when you're like, okay, who needs to drive me to the church? Yes. Am I going to leave my car at the church or am I going to get in my car? Or when do I, like, that's when the logistics start to click Mm -hmm. in your head and you need to start making those arrangements. Well, Um, and digital copy. Oh, absolutely. That's like Nobody game changer. paper anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got to be digital copy. Yes. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. So last thing, um, one question that I had is when parents are being so generous and hosting the wedding and all of these things, and you get into that dynamic where the couple really has a different vision than the parents, how do you handle that? Fantastic question, and I'm not sure my answer is going to be the most popular. So one of the things that I've learned in my life, um, in my vast, long life, is that, um, you know, he who has the money has a tendency to make the rules. Um, And when financial contributions are being accepted from multiple parties, then they technically could have a stake in it, right? If I bring in partners into my business, and Kelly, you invest in my company, that means you get a say in my company unless we've agreed upon it that you're a completely silent partner. And if I want you to be a silent partner, then I need to have that conversation with you prior to taking your money, right? So then when I take your money as a silent partner and then you start expressing an opinion, I can say, Kelly, I really appreciate your opinion, thank you, but we agreed that you were going to be a silent partner. Um, I think money is a very touchy subject. And I know, I know, because it's generational, right? Parents will always disagree with their children. Like, guess what? This is an age-old problem. I will tell you that if you want complete autonomy in planning your wedding, you pay for your wedding yourself. Um, Otherwise, you certainly can guide and strongly say, this is really what I want. But I would encourage you as a couple to also remember where the money is coming from and think back to those family dynamics and think back to, I can dig my heels in and I can have this beer and wine bar, but there's a possibility that it's gonna cause a problem and it's gonna be a long-term problem. And then how important is that? And if you wanna go to battle for it, absolutely go to battle for it, whatever that is, but then be prepared that it could potentially hurt the family. And, and, And you're going to know at that time if that's the right battle to wage or to not wage. And I think it's something, you know, we always, it's wonderful when couples just have their own money because then there's just no, you know, there's, it is the way they want it. 
and um, and that's there's autonomy with that, and that's it's true in business, it's true in life. Um, I think also one of the things I always really encourage. Again, money is a touchy subject, and I've been in the first one of the first questions is you know what's your budget? What do we need to stay within? And I really encourage couples, and I know that we all have our own independent relationships with our parents. Um, and if you are blessed enough that your parents are willing to contribute, you need to have a heart-to-heart with them one-on-one and not with your significant others. So if this means, you know, each one of you needs to go to your parents privately and not with your uh, partner with you and say, mom and dad, um, here's, you know, here's the wedding day. Do you plan to contribute any money? Yes, we contribute 30, we're going to contribute $30,000 or whatever. Okay. What do you, what, what does that mean to you, mom and dad? What would you like to see that money spent on? And, and do you just want to give us that money? And do you, or do you want to help planning in the process? I swear to you, these conversations, while they might seem uncomfortable, like how do you want to be involved? Where do you want to see the money go? What's important to you? Are, will save so much pain and angst as you go through the wedding planning process because you'll know the expectations right and oftentimes this this you know traditionally old old school and even one of the old um even one of the uh, etiquette gurus uh over in england made a comment on twitter the other day that you know the wedding is the parents bride's parents responsibility and everyone of course was like dude wake up this is you know this is modern days like that doesn't always work that way um but one of the things I found, and again, it's all about experience. I had a bride's family that was from the South. And of course, etiquette is steeped in tradition down in the South. And the bride's family pays for everything. They didn't even go to the groom's family and ask. At the wedding reception, the mother of the groom came up to me and said she was completely offended. She wasn't involved. She was offended that nobody even asked that she could have paid for the entire wedding if she had been, you know, if somebody had offered it to her. But fundamentally, if you go back, like, that sounds crazy that that conversation happened. But, you know, I looked at this mom, and I'm a mother of two boys, and she was, she loves her children desperately. And she, what I heard when she was talking to me was, I was not invited to share in the joy and celebration of my son. And I felt left out. And that could have been avoided if we had gone to, the, if the groom had gone to the family and said, um, her family's going to pay for it. Is What is your expectation, mom and dad? Do you want to be involved? Do you, or do you not, do you just want us to handle it? And there's no right or wrong answer, but that definition is really going to help set you up for success and prevent, you know, mom from being at the reception crying and upset because she didn't get she felt completely left out of her child's life. And I think, like I said, I think so that falls on the groom's family a lot. And I really encourage grooms to go to their parents privately and say, etiquette says we're supposed to take care of a rehearsal dinner. Is that something you're interested in? Modern etiquette says we could, you could pay for the bar. Do you have the funds for that? Is that something you're interested in? They can say no, and you shouldn't judge them. You shouldn't feel bad about it. And you, you should preface it by saying, I just want to make sure that I don't leave you out in this process. So whatever answer you provide is going to be okay, mom and dad. I love you no matter what, but I want to make sure that your feelings are brought into this as well, because I don't, this is about us coming together as two families. And it's an awkward, and I've said this time and time again, and I'm sure some of my clients are like, I'm not having that conversation with my parents. But the ones that do, it's a pretty seamless process. It's a hard conversation to have, um, depending on your relationship, but it really helps set you up for success long term. 
Um, because when you get in the thick of things and checks need to be cut, and you know you're talking $15,000 for this or $10,000 for this or $4,000 for a photographer or videographer, all of a sudden it, like it, you have to put the money where you said it was going. And stress happens if those expectations haven't been set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It okay. totally answers my okay. question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a good point that it is a joining of two families. Yeah. And both families should have the opportunity to be involved. Absolutely. And I think old school tradition, it was just kind of, you know, the groom was absorbed into the bride's family. Uh-huh. You know, and it was right. still that it right. was the mother, daughter, that whole generational lineage, and the husband just kind of got absorbed. And so... Yeah, especially now where everyone is, there's still the family culture, but everyone is separate. Right. Right. And I think, you know, it's so, again, you know, etiquette, guidelines. So as a groom's parent, like I understand as a mother of the groom that if my, say, whoever my children decide to marry, like there's a possibility that my expectation is I'm not doing anything. And I understand that. And I will take the lead from that family. This is, oh my gosh, I'm recording this. So like, this is going to be like, right? <laughs> so like, I will take that lead from that family. Um, and I, I, because they're, you know, like, I understand where the deference needs to go. However, I know that I am going to want to contribute in some way. And, and I will offer that. If it's declined, I understand as well that I cannot get offended, right? Because I'm not in the lead here. I'm the group's family. Um, but I, if I want to be involved, I'm going to let them know gently with the knowledge that they can tell me no. Um, and my husband's like, right, you're going to do everything. <laughs> no, I will sit back and I'll be the mother of a groom. Um, but I don't, you know, and it's going to be okay either way, but I want them to know that I will be there if I can contribute. I mean, I'm saving money now. Um, financially, I'd, I'd like to. I would like to be able to do that. And I would hope that their partner's family will be equally as considerate um, to potentially letting us contribute. As so it's... I was very blessed because my family came to me and said, or my groom's family came to me and said, we'd like to contribute for the bar and the personal flowers. They looked up the modern etiquette advice clearly. Um, but it was, it was, it really helped take a lot of financial stress off of our family, my family. And um, I really feel like it was, it was done by three ways. It was his family, my family, and the two of us as a couple. And so we all kind of felt we had a little bit of autonomy. Like if I, if my parents didn't like the dress I wanted, which they did, but I could have, I just would have bought my own dress because I was my money. But then, you know, when it came to flowers, I asked my mother-in-law, I ran a buyer. I'm like, what do you think of this? And she's like, great. And she was phenomenal. She's like, sure, no problem. You know? And, and so it, it was this beautiful blend. And I felt like his parents supported us just as much as my parents supported us. And then we were supporting each other. And so it just felt like this wonderful team effort. And I even come from a divorced family. So I had a father contributing, I had a mother contributing, two separate, and then I had his parents contributing. And then, so it really felt like this team joint effort and it really, um, it actually worked out really well. Um, so luckily nobody got, nobody's feelings got hurt. Yeah. But we had those conversations. And I think that's so important, just the communication. It yeah. just all goes back to communication, I think, really. Absolutely. So, Completely. well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And for everyone who cannot always have access to you, what are some resources for people to go to for etiquette that you would suggest? 
Absolutely. Etiquette will always call me or Instagram me. I love this stuff. But no, you actually, Emily Post Institute is fantastic. They have a podcast called Awesome Etiquette. Um, you can even write in. Someone wrote in a, a wonderful uh, etiquette story about Omaha uh, after a, a, a flash tornado. They do like this positive, tell me about some positive etiquette that's happened and how all the neighbors in Omaha got together and helped everybody rebuild. So I think Awesome Etiquette, Emily Post Institute's phenomenal. Um, that's really just my go-to. Um, anytime and uh, they're just the be all and end all for me yeah like if it, there's so many else there's so many others out there but I feel like Emily Post Dear Abby are probably your best resources fantastic well let everyone know where they can find you you mentioned Instagram what is your Instagram handle at Carrie Dayton perfect my first and last name and then Carrie Dayton events is my email and on Twitter I'm CDEC events but I'm not a big Twitterer I'm more on Instagram and and website so awesome and your website is CarrieDaytonEvents.com awesome well thank you or no wait wait it's CarrieDayton.com <laughs> sorry you're good it's been a long day you're good need more coffee yes oh my goodness well thank you very much for being here and if you have more questions for carrie feel free to send them to either her or give me more content to ask her and we'll have her back so thank you thank you